0: Hello and welcome to the Cougar Sports Show, and thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Abby Whittington, coming to you from the University of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Each week, we interview USF coaches to get the latest inside scoop on all things Cougar sports. Today, I'm here with head football coach Jim Golgowski and his assistant coach, Lucas Luters. Guys, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me.
0: On December 9, 2022, Athletic Director Pam Gohl announced the hiring of Coach Glow. Shortly after, Pam and Coach Glow hired new assistant head coach, Lucas Luters. Today, we get to hear all about how they plan to establish a new program with new traditions here at USF. Coach Glow is a grad assistant and then an assistant coach in Pennsylvania. He came back to South Dakota as an assistant coach. In 2007 to 2016, he was the head coach at Simpson College in Iowa. More recently, Coach Glow has spent the past seven years at Minnesota State University Mankato and was named the NSIC Assistant Football Coach of the Year in 2019. Let's start off with a little bit of background information from your days on the field. You were a four-year starter at the University of South Dakota, earning All-American honors. You were also inducted into the Coyote Hall of Fame in 2013. How does your experience as a player translate to your coaching style?
1: Yeah, first of all, that sounds impressive. It didn't seem that impressive at the time. (laughs) It seems a lot more impressive looking back. Um, You know, I was always a guy that... um, I probably wasn't the biggest, the fastest, or the strongest, and I just enjoyed playing. And I think the way I am as a coach is I think I'm probably less about X's and O's and more about Jimmy's and Joe's, you know, and, and trying to get guys to to play hard, and, and I think that takes care of a lot of problems. So I wouldn't say that I'm a, you know, a big scheme guy and trying to sit up all night watching film and design the best, you know, way to do something. It's more or less trying to get guys to understand concepts and just play really hard, and that's kind of how I was as a player.
0: Yeah, how about you, Coach Luters?
2: Yeah, a uh, big part for me is, you know, relationships and whether it's with recruiting or just building relationships with the players on the team, that was a big part for me in terms of my college years of helping me develop as a man. And so I really try to be relationship oriented um, and establish that with the guys, especially being new, just creating those relationships because you ask a lot of them on the field and, off, and during the offseason. So I uh, really try to emphasize that aspect and then help them try to develop as a person beyond their four years here because ultimately that relationship lasts a lot longer than just their four years here
1: at college.
0: Sure who here is in charge of recruiting right now?
1: Well I mean I, we all play a big role in that but Brian Bozen is the assistant coach who's kind of our recruiting coordinator and so as far as uh, establishing itineraries and visits and all of the NCAA um, you know policies and guidelines he helps follow that stuff to a tee and um, but it's definitely a group effort. Yeah we all have our individual territories that we kind of Attack that area, and
2: then we bring them up amongst positions, and then kind of use it as a there's a step by step process. you kind of
1: work through.
0: Sure. So, having been on both ends of the recruiting process, what advice can you provide to current athletes who are trying to play football collegiately?
1: Yeah. Well, I I will tell you this: it's been unique for me because my son uh, is going to be a freshman on the team next year, and so kind of going through the recruiting process with him, both as a obviously as a parent and as a coach, and then recruiting at different levels over the years. Um, I think the biggest thing is sometimes guys are also blessed – right air quotes blessed to, to be offered and, and everything's so wonderful and you go to these schools and these visits and there's green screens and they're taking these magical photos and it just makes you feel like you're in the nfl and, and the reality of it is once you sign you just become one of 25 or 30 new guys and the coach isn't going to call you you know every night to see what you had for dinner and you know all that kind of stuff like you're in recruiting and so i think the one thing we try to do is try to keep it real there's not a lot of uh pomp and circumstance no red carpet treatment i think we try to give them the the actual visual and, and and the physical feeling of what it's like to be on campus and to walk across the, the campus itself and to be a part of maybe a classroom experience and to see what the dorms are like. And what would it be like if you were here for 180 days out of the year? And, and the reality of it is the football aspect itself is not going to make you happy. You know, scoring touchdowns or making tackles or starting isn't why you should pick a school. Um, and, of course, the cliche always becomes if you get hurt on day one, <laughs> would you still stay there and go to school, right? And that's yeah. true. Uh, but going through it with my son, it wasn't so much about the level or the school Or the number of jerseys, it was more about, you know, is this a place that you feel like you can grow and develop? And Because I'll say this, as true as a statement can be, is you're going to find great people wherever you go. You know, And there's certainly differences in academic programs and size of schools and all those things. But I look at ourselves as salesmen that don't make commission, right? (laughs) So we want to sell the place and we want to talk about the things that are really great about this place, but we don't necessarily want to talk them into coming here. So trying to say, this is what we are, this is what we're about, and then asking, what are you looking for? And if that's a great fit and the kid really wants to be here, there's a much more greater likelihood of them, you know, making it for five years versus, you know, hitting the transfer portal and taking off after six months because you told me this and it was nothing like that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of athletes appreciate that coming in because that is the reality for a lot of people is they, they go into something so different than what they were expecting and told. So let's go back a little bit. You were at Mankato for the last seven seasons. What brought you to take this coaching job at USF?
1: Well, you know, the reality of it is there's a lot of jobs that a guy might want. There's only so many jobs a guy can get. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, um, kind of at the point in my career, uh, I've got four kids. My, my third son was, was, uh, or my second son, third child was getting out of high school at Mankato East. So it was a kind of a time in our lives where I felt like if we made a move, it wouldn't disrupt their lives totally. And now I just have a nine-year-old who won't talk to me because the <laughs> dance program we're leaving in Mankato is, she was just kicking off her dance career and now it's going to start all over again. So that's a <laughs> whole different conversation for their podcast, but, but, uh, But no, you know, for, for me, I don't know that you're looking for something necessarily versus when something comes along and it seems like the right fit. You know, my wife is from Sioux Falls. I played at USD, went to school there. She's from USD, played or she played basketball and went to school there. And uh, my mom is still down in Omaha, and she's getting older, and it gets tougher for her to get around. And so being at this part of the the country where our families are closer and the two oldest kids that I've got, they're both going to stay up in Mankato probably in that area. So, yeah, you know, from a family situation, you kind of start thinking about how can I make the family aspect work and still choose and, and chase what I want professionally. And it's not always mutually exclusive, you know. Sometimes it doesn't always work out. Um, but it just seemed like the right place, right time. Uh, it was a couple weeks after, uh, the regular season ended and the opportunity came up and it fell into place. And it was something that, um, you know, I certainly didn't have to come to Sioux Falls and check it out. I was pretty familiar with Sioux Falls and that helped. And, um, the ability to go back and forth during the transition, it's been a long five months, six months, you know, but, um, but it all works out at the end. If you are excited about where you're at and we're excited to be here.
0: I got to ask, how does your son feel about you coaching him? Is he excited or? Well,
1: the running joke right now, cause the guys all know is his nickname is slime. So you can take that for. <laughs> what it's worth Um, he's your classic 18 year old high school senior and probably taking advantage of the fact that he's got one less set of eyes from parental guidance looking at him all the time and uh you know i don't know it's it's funny um you know, when I was, I was trying to treat the process as much as a normal process as it could be. Mm-hmm. So I remember, you know, I went home one weekend and I had to text him to tell him come upstairs so we could have a home visit with his mother and I at the kitchen table. And, <laughs> and we kind of talked about what he was looking for and what he wanted. And he had some, he had a couple of different options. And um, I think he says that he always wanted to play for his dad. And, and I've always wanted that, but I try not to make that like, you know, I really think you should play for me. And, and as dumb as that sounds, I, I thought it was really important for him to make that decision on his own. And, you know, who knows? I, I think he's, um, he's excited about it. I don't think he really understands what it's all going to entail and I don't know what it's going to be like when I go home and you know he comes home to do his laundry and <laughs> eat my food and he hasn't had a great day at practice if I'm going to be able to bite my tongue but, but we'll see I mean you know the best coach in the house is my wife Kate anyway so it doesn't matter what I think she tells me what I do wrong all the time so it'll be nothing new but uh, I don't know it's pretty It's pretty unique it's pretty special and whether it's a year or five years or, or one season I'm just looking forward to seeing him on a daily basis and watching him grow like I have quite frankly a lot of other people's sons you know that's, that's the cool part. Recruiting-wise, quite frankly, I had a chance to pick his friends if you think of it that way that was kind (laughs) of weird you know and I'm thinking about all these guys I'm recruiting I've never thought about it that way but this year I was like wow this kid could be at my house someday hanging out with my son or that's really weird I never thought of it like that no it's bizarre and who and it's ironic because there's a quarterback that we uh signed from Indianola Iowa Uh who's coming here and he's gonna room with Ben Slime aka Slime (laughs) and uh (laughs) and his name is Bennett Brick and Bennett and Ben played little league travel baseball together back in the day and, and basketball and all this different stuff and then we moved out of Indianola seven or eight years ago and so to see those guys back together again is pretty special and yeah there's just a lot of weird stuff like that that you don't necessarily think about that I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah for sure and you were obviously huge in hiring coach Luters what what drew you to him?
1: That's yeah, us make this awkward. Uh, he's, first of all he's devilishly handsome and, you know, <laughs> but uh <laughs> no you know it's funny because this process um, is a unique one it's not typical that as a Division two school, you have to hire an entire staff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so during that process, there was a lot of hires. And, um, you know, it sounds kind of crazy to say this, but on my phone, um, I haven't, you know, you have your notes on your phone, and I've always had, I call it the list, and I've had this list probably for the last five years of guys that I would hire that I came across, to, whether it's recruiting or summer camps or guys that you go to clinics with or whatever, guys you have a chance to hang out and visit at conventions. And and I've had this list. And he was, you know, this is really awkward because he's going to probably get embarrassed, but he was on my list. You know, (laughs) he was one of those guys. And so over the course of years when opportunities come up you always kind of think about how would you put a staff together because there's a lot of things that go into it you know families you know obviously he's got south dakota roots uh his wife actually went to the same high school as my wife and um you know he's got two young boys and so as the family aspect of it was exciting the fact that he had ties to the area the fact that he had success in this area recruiting kids in this area that that was certainly important and then you know ironically the thing that was probably the least important to me was what he would do from a schematic standpoint as far as running the offense and all that won a couple of national titles try to embarrass him a little bit more you know he was the football scoop coach of the year so that was pretty impressive he was the best offensive coach in all of NAIA football in the 2018 season They, they were really super super explosive offensively and and I didn't want to surround myself with a bunch of guys that I knew from a standpoint of just simply being around good people that have the same values because ultimately he spent a lot of time with these guys and having a chance to meet his wife meg and his two boys i mean i think they're gonna fit in they'll get along well with my wife if she ever moves here <laughs> you know, i'm still living in my mother-in-law's basement so that's a whole different kind of <laughs> we, we could have a whole a weekly podcast on this yeah right? it makes two of us <laughs> right yeah he's living in his in-law's basement too so um, yeah, I just think he's, a, he's a person that understands doing it the right way. And the people that I knew that knew him spoke extremely high of him. And so at the end of the day, you hope it's a good match. And to this point, we haven't played a game yet. We haven't scored any points, but it seems like it's a pretty good match. So
2: I hope we shut him out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coach Lutters, why, why did you take the job here?
2: Well, give you even more backstory. Um, Job came open, I actually texted him and said, hey, are you going for the head, head job? And he said, ah, I don't know, we're in the playoffs, we're, we're just focused on that right now. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to go for it. And once I found the rumor that he was interviewing the next week, then I was like, I texted him and said, hey, you need to hire me. Uh, and so, yeah, so anyways, it just kind of went that way. But there's, I mean, glow is a big part of it because, you know, talking in the past, I've had opportunity to kind of come back here to Sioux Falls and come to USF. And I didn't think it was the right fit and the right timing, but Glow had a big part of that. But the other aspect is, is there's only a couple places that I would come back and coach at, um, in the area that's kind of got away from the region a little bit and I experienced something new, but this is one of them. And I think there's a big pride and tradition that's mm-hmm. different like I tell recruits this I tell I mean I told my wife this when I was taking the job I said there's just something different when you walk in and you see those national championship trophies and I don't care what level they're won at uh you know coach Glow has played in one and we've got coaches on the staff that have played in them and, and won them four in four in a row for coach Little John and coach Beto's won one I've been fortunate enough to be a part of two myself and it's just one of those where when you know what it takes to actually get to that just even be in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it means something different. And it's one of those where you want to surround yourself with people like that. And I felt like previously where I was at, maybe got away from that. Um, and the egos aspect was probably a little bit bigger. And so that was a huge part where I wanted to surround myself with coaches that were about it, players that were about it. And I understand there were some ups and downs in the past, but it's it's so hard to win games. I don't care what sport, what, whatever it is. It's just specifically in football though, like just to win a game and you can't take that for granted. And that's a big part I wanted to get back to and be around those type of people.
0: Yeah. Stepping into a really big winning culture here for sure. Looking at the Sioux Falls community, what has been you guys' favorite aspect of it?
2: I mean, for me, because I grew up just north of town uh, in Del Rapids, South Dakota. So I mean, I was 15 miles north. We came to Sioux Falls for everything. And back then it just seemed like uh smaller city and it's just booming you know moving our family back it's it's awesome it's still that small big city Mm -hmm. you know it's not a metro area like minneapolis or la or anything like that but it's still i mean it's a quarter million people you got a lot of things to do there's a lot of things at your fingertips um everything here is just nice in terms of it's new it's upgrading um you know people always talk about where's the nice part of the city it's like it's all around Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, any, any direction you go there, it's, it's just a beautiful city. And I think that there's a lot of appealing things in terms of for me and my family of coming back in terms of my boys being able to go to a good school and, and get a great education. It's, it's what helped us get to where we're at now in terms of my wife and, Everything. She was an OG grad. She went to the same high school as Kate, and that's important for us. So, you know, our boys will go through that system, and, and we're looking forward to it. And It's kind of nostalgic in that for my my wife getting mm-hmm. to see our boys go up through the same school system as she came through. So,
0: so they're heading into O'Gorman, or are they not in high school? No, right?
2: they're they're only eight and set her eight and four. So we got oh. we got a few years. They're really advanced though. Yeah. They're gonna start <laughs> next year. first. Got a few years, but uh, but they'll go through the system. Okay. yeah they'll 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 start at the elementary schools and they work their way up so
0: that's awesome coach go how about you what have you loved about the community
1: well i mean quite frankly the fact there's a slim chickens on both sides of town <laughs> i love slim i love slim chickens um and i just found out you can toss the wings in the sauce and then get an additional sauce which made it even more delightful <laughs> but i love slim chickens i love the fact that there's pancheros chipotle qdoba and gilberto's gilberto's and maybe we get a sponsor there's even another one yeah yeah <laughs> The, the food choices are outstanding. Um, I like the fact it takes me 10 to 15 minutes to get to work. This is the first time in my entire coaching career where I actually had to, you know, use the heater. Otherwise, you just turn on the car and get there before the car even needs to get warmed up. And so that's kind of exciting. I feel like I'm in a, a happening place. Um, you know, recruiting is awesome. We can send our, our recruits to Top Shot. I think it's called Top Shot. top top golf, golf. Golf or whatever it's called. Yeah, you got Dave & Busters. You got all these different things socially for guys to do when they're on their visit. Um, The fact that the airport is here in town that we can fly guys in for recruiting or that we can take a vacation hopefully sometime and not drive to the Twin Cities to get an airplane. Yep. You know, and I I think the Mankato experience was awesome from a standpoint of, you know, it was a college town with 15,000 students, but it was only about 45,000 people in the city. Versus here, you know, we get the small town feel and the individual attention academically, and then you step off the curb and there's 200,000 plus people and the rival's two blocks away. And it's just it's just a different environment, you know? And I wouldn't, I mean, from my experience, you don't feel like you're at a small college you know, you're in the middle of the city and it's kind of cool. So yeah, I mean, all those things. And certainly I've been back and forth enough over the years to kind of appreciate the values. I was driving down by 41st the other day and there's a bunch of construction and I see somebody's car stalled out. I saw three people hop out of their car at the intersection and push the car, you know, stuff like, I think people here are really good people. Yeah. And, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just a unique, it's definitely your Midwestern vibe. And, um, and I dig that and yeah, just looking forward to, to seeing what we can do professionally. But, uh, from a personal standpoint, um, it'll be nice that my daughter can go to grandma's house for an afternoon and don't have to wait two and a half hours to drive up there or whatever. So that stuff's also important.
0: Yeah. Every time I'm sitting in traffic on Minnesota, I just remind myself that I could be at another school in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and that makes yep. me feel a little bit yeah, better because 100%. as annoying as it is to get out to the bubble, sometimes it's better than not having anything around.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it,
2: could, it could be a commute. I mean, for the last three years, I commuted 40 minutes because we were on the outskirts of Kansas City and drove out of town basically to Warrensburg and it's yeah it just gets old so yeah you just enjoy it even though it's 15 minutes LA to go the same distance like 45 minutes to an hour mhm so it's just like yeah
1: you enjoy that part
0: yeah so coach glow let's talk a little bit about your time at Mankato how did it prepare you to step into this role as head coach well
1: i think the first thing is after spending 8 years as a head football coach i certainly needed to learn some things and see a different way of doing things and um you know, working for Coach Hoffner, we had a lot of success. There's no doubt about it. You know, lots of playoff experiences, played for a national championship, and kind of watching how he built that program and and what he did to be successful, maintain it. Certainly there's things you learn about what you would do your own style, right? And the kids were awesome. I think that's the one thing, you know, it's funny. You could go to a lot of colleges, a lot of universities, a lot of different football programs, and you're gonna find really good people wherever you go. But the kids there were special, had a lot of relationships that were close relationships and you know, I don't miss wearing the the Maverick polo or walking into the office or, you know, I don't miss the facilities or the bubble or whatever. I, I miss the kids, right? And um, I think we had really good kids that, uh, just like the kids here, just want to play football and have fun and, and get an education. And so, but I, I think just the the concept of, um, you know, we started talking about just the other day about you're not playing somebody and, and your effort level doesn't isn't dictated by the logo on the helmet. And I think the one thing at Mankato, we had a stretch there. We actually got beat by Sioux Falls in 2016 in late november and we didn't lose another conference game until 2021 it was over three and a half years of of winning conference games you know and so that mentality that how we approached week in and week out and there were some close games but but those are the things that i think i'll take from that is just how the preparation and how we you know we had a mindset of winning at the highest level and you know ultimately didn't shy away from the expectations. so that's probably the thing i'll take the most and and just the fact that um it still comes down to jimmies and joes not x's and o's you know you have better players
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, Coach Luters, how about you? What what has your previous coaching experience done to really prepare you to step into this role?
2: Uh, I mean, it's just, A, being in the region and being down in Sioux City just an hour south and recruiting this area, kind of understanding the talent and um, the style of teams that are around this area. Um, I think it's helped me in terms of understanding that aspect and what you can recruit, what you can get, and then what style of offense or defense or whatever you're going to be. And so specifically for me offensively, it's you got to have the versatility to be able to, you know, evolve with the time as well as evolve with the, the weather, because it's going to go from 100 degree games at the beginning of the season to probably at zero by the end of the season, um, especially if we're playing in December like we want to be. And so, you know, you got to be able to adapt and improvise and overcome in any of those situations. But, you know, my time at Morningside, I think helped prepare me in terms of having a lot of responsibility, wearing a lot of different hats as a coach, and then also being able to play in those big games. I mean, you know, we were fortunate enough there to play in a lot of playoff games and and, uh, some of them pretty crazy ones, whether they're four overtime in the first round of playoffs or it's a national championship. Understanding how to practice and sharing those experiences. Obviously, we spend a lot of time as a staff talking about those type of things of – understanding we all come from different backgrounds. We all have, have had success in some form or fashion and how we can utilize that to make our time here the best. And so, yeah, I try to use a lot of those experiences and even getting the opportunity down at the University of Central Missouri and down there in the MIAA was, was really good. I mean, I learned and I learned fast that it's different, you know, and it's not always in good ways or bad ways. It's just, it's different. And so it's, it helped me learn and evolve even farther as a as a coach. And, um, you know, I always consider myself young. I don't know if I am anymore. I'm one of the old dogs on staff, but it, it's one of those, I played defense and I started coaching on defense. So I haven't been, I haven't been this offensive guy that knows everything I grew up knowing I wanted to be an offense coordinator. Um, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be the next Brent Venables. I thought I was going to be this guy that was
1: <laughs> the things we learn. I know, right?
2: And so <laughs> That's what I thought. And then I learned real fast. I was not a very good D line coach and they moved me over to offense and I took off. But because of that, I feel like I'm still learning and I'm still studying film and still trying to gain the, the little edge. And yeah, that I just think that's a big part of it. Never, never being satisfied with where I'm at. And again, this big reason why we're here is I think we're all motivated and hungry because we've all had a taste of what it could be to have that success, but we want it more.
0: Coach Litters, you kind of touched on recruiting and how brutal the weather is in South Dakota. Even somebody from Minnesota, like myself, I was not expecting the wind when I got here. That was a really big change. And how, like you had said, it goes from literally 100 degrees to zero degrees in the fall season. Where are you guys primarily bringing in guys from? Like what states?
2: Uh, We're trying to keep it within probably a three-hour radius, primary recruiting area. And then we'll probably stretch out to five to seven hours, um, you know, and Staying within the region for sure. And then we'll, because of where we're at in the city and Sioux Falls and the airport, you know, Denver will be an area that we hit because we get direct flights from Denver and and, uh, Phoenix and Arizona. And so those have been good alumni bases as well. Um, Chicago is another one that they, they, we got a good alumni base out there as well. So we have some connections, obviously, with coaches from different areas. I mean, we got ten other coaches or ten assistants that all have experience and all have relationships in the areas that they're recruiting. So that makes it really good, all the way from Wisconsin to North Dakota, you know, down to Nebraska and across to Iowa and Illinois. I mean, we all have connections across there, but we want to recruit locally. We want to win locally. There's just the, the level of football here in Sioux Falls specifically has just increased drastically over the last five to 10 years. Um, and I, I know that being a, a player coming out of here and obviously being at Morningside for several years and seeing it grow and develop. But shout out to Riggs, who's a, a former Coup coach. Um, you know, he's been a big part of that in terms of developing the local talent and helping that. So, you know, we want to win locally first and get those guys. But there's just so much talent that I think is kind of overlooked throughout the region that, we you know, we're going to make sure we cover all our bases and get a chance to get guys on campus. Because again, when you get here and you see it, there's not too many schools that are in a metro area like this um, and have the facilities or the opportunities like what we have. So we want to take full advantage of that.
0: Sure. I mean, when you say you're recruiting regionally, I'm guessing Minnesota is one of the states that you're you're getting a lot of guys from. But how do you go about differentiating USF from Bemidji, Duluth, Mankato, Concordia, all those other NSIC schools?
2: I mean, in my perspective, and Coach Glow could probably hit on this a little bit more, it's just, again, we're in a metro area of a quarter million people. It's a small, unique school instead of a larger state school. Um, and I've I learned that from my experience, even at University of Central Missouri, that was 13,000 students. It's You can be just a number sometimes um, going into those gen ed classes. And, you know, the teacher to student ratio is really, really good here the alumni base and the connections you have in the community that open up opportunities for internships or even NIL deals for that. It's just different. And so, you know, over those schools specifically, there's probably a little bit more, Uh, reputation in minnesota with those state schools uh because they're larger and they maybe market different whatever but it's it's one of those that usf has a strong reputation and it's just for different reasons um whether it be athletics or it might be the culture or whatever it might be um i think it's just unique and it's again like coach Glow talked about and he can go further it's just you're in a school of twelve thousand or twelve hundred students and you step off the curb, and it's like you're in a city, and you can leave school at school and go, go do life. Same as driving out to the complex. It's like you get out there, you do football, and once you leave there, you leave work at work and you move on, and you can have a life outside of it. Where I've also been, went to college in a town of 3,000 people where that's all there was was the university so i think it's very unique in terms of recruiting guys here that just the opportunities that we have um in a variety of different ways
1: yeah i just think that recognizing who you are and accentuating the positives i think that's really important not necessarily hey we're better than them because of this but more or less hey this is who we are you know i always talk about if you want a chevy truck don't go to a dodge dealer to buy a ram like why would you do that Mm-hmm. Or if you want a truck, why would you buy a car? So knowing what you want, I think that's the front end of the recruiting piece that I think sometimes gets lost in the translation, but making sure you understand who you are, you know, selling those things to the kids in terms of explaining, this is what we are about. And then when they get here, making sure they see those things, because if a kid wants 15,000 students, why waste your time recruiting him? Yeah. I know some coaches will bend over backwards to get him to come and visit and then they lose them at the end. They're like, oh, why do we lose them? Well, they never were going to go to a place that was 1,200 or whatever. Versus the kid that doesn't want anything to do with that big of a school. Those are the kids you got to identify right off the bat. And not getting upset because you lost a guy. Worry about the guys that you got, not the guys you didn't get.
0: Sure yeah and Coach Glow coming from a school that was within the NSIC what knowledge are you bringing to USF having been in the conference for so long? Well
1: I, I just think seeing all the different teams and again coaches turn over and there's different schemes and different guys do different things but I just think the travel and where we stayed hotel wise and you know what the game the atmosphere is like and, and understanding those kind of things is certainly going to help obviously the knowledge of the players at Mankato will be helpful I would like to think you know just mm-hmm. especially defensively I've got a pretty good feel for those guys but they'll have some new players and they'll have guys that get better and develop that I won't necessarily know about and I just think that the comfortability factor and getting on a bus and knowing where we're going and I know sometimes you take a new job and everything's brand new hopefully we can avoid that that'll help you know because we don't have a ton of guys that have played so they've been on the team but they haven't actually played so just having that familiarity I think kind of eliminates one of those pains that can rear its head sometimes when you're new.
0: Did any players come with you from Mankato to USF?
1: Yeah, there was a couple. Um, Camden Dean was a quarterback. He played as a true freshman last year. Uh, he's from Lakeville South. He uh, he came down and then Aiden DeVolder was a young man, an offensive lineman from Marshalltown that I recruited out of high school, played offensive line at Mankato and he joined me. Uh, and then also uh, Matt Garian who's from Sioux Falls, played here in Sioux Falls High School, was a red shirt up at Mankato. And Matt and uh, Cam had only spent one semester there. So those guys have both transferred down and joined us in the in the January after J-term. So uh, but yeah, those three guys. And we tried not to bring a bunch of transfers in at semester. That wasn't my intent. Yeah. It was more or less to focus on the guys that are here, see what they're good at, see where we need to get some help, and then address that, which is what we're doing right now with spring practice.
0: Let's talk about um, the team right now. Since you were hired in December, what changes have you been working to implement?
1: Well, I, you know, I don't know that we're trying to like say, well, this was bad, let's do it differently. I think the biggest thing is, from my perspective, and I, I've told the kids this several times, is I don't want to keep name-dropping man well, at Mankato, we did this. Like Nobody wants to hear that, right? Yeah. But what I'm trying to tell them is, listen, this is what a successful program does. These are things that we can't do. And if we want to be successful, this is what we have to stop doing. Yeah. And I think there's some of that stuff that we still have to work through, but I don't know that that's necessarily any indication of what was done right or wrong last coaching staff. It's just the way that we're going to do it moving forward. And at the end of the day, it's 2023 and it's the transfer portal and all that stuff. And if if you say this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it, and a young man came here under the pretense it was it's something totally different, whether it's offensive, defensive skist- system or whatever, they have the right to move on. And it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means it wasn't the right fit, you know. And so that happens a lot in life, right? Sometimes we buy a car because we can afford, but we don't really like that car, but we just put up with it because we can't buy another car. That's not the kind of relationship we want to have, right? Yeah. We want them to see the value in it. And I think that's all we've been preaching from day one is this is how we go about our business. This is the expectation. And it's our job as adults, <laughs> as coaches, to say, hey, you're not meeting the expectation or you are meeting it. And here's why you're not or here's what you can do to be better. And then make make sure we communicate in a, in a way that's not demoralizing or negative you know negative, and that they want to play for you. Because at the end of the day, they, they still got to play hard for you. And they will if they know you care.
2: Yeah. The part I would add is I think we really opened up to trying to build those relationships early. You know, I got here mid-January and, um, you know, one of the first things we did kind of finished up, wrapped up recruiting is we met with every single person, offensive, defense, and kind of just got to know them and who they were. And I think that's a big part uh, of what Coach Glow wants to establish is, you know, it is about the person um, and it is about, you know, what we can do for you to help ultimately get the most out of you and make sure this is the right fit. Cause we don't want anybody to get caught off, caught off guard. And that's how we recruit is we're very real and authentic. And sometimes it catches people off guard of like, we're just different. Um, and it's not, in a bad way, it's just like you know, it kind of gets cookie cutter ish when you go from school to school and you do these junior visits, and they're all the same. And then all of a sudden, like you go one place and it's completely different. That's who we are, and mm-hmm. it's it's starting to draw a lot of attraction. And so, even with our players, I think it's the same as we're different and we go about it in a different approach. And it's not not bad in any way. It's just those guys are getting used to it right now, and so um, I think they're starting to learn the what what our expectations are, what the standards are, and live up to those, and then continue to build on them.
0: Can you give us examples of what some of those standards are?
1: Well, like our motto right now is hashtag built different. And, and what that means to me is, is that, and we, we had a great speaker, uh, Brad Poole, came out and talked to the team. And we had a, a former player from North Dakota State talk to the team. We've had some different ways to approach what that expectation looks like. And I think to me, being built different means that you're willing to do things that maybe other people aren't willing to do, which is as simple as getting up early to eating the right foods, to doing all those kind of things. Because if you're different and you do things differently, then you can expect a different result. And, you know, I think we talked about it with our team a lot in terms of the expectation. It takes what it takes, right? The standard is the standard. And if you want a different experience, you have to be willing to do things you've never done before. You know, whether that means, you know, minding what you eat, how you work out, being early instead of late. So I I think that's the thing we talk about. I don't know that it's necessarily one specific thing. It's more of a mindset. And I have one of my favorite sayings is is that I have a lot of them, but you can't (laughs) change the stripes on a tiger, you know? And I'm sure that guys want to think that it was the coach or it was this or it was that, but maybe it's the way that you've been carrying yourself for the last six years. You know, a guy that doesn't show up on time or is always late, who oversleeps, probably isn't a straight A student. It's just not how it works. And I think sometimes It's hard for guys to admit because they want to think that, well, that's just this, that I don't do 100%. But when I really like it, I do 100%. Well, that's not usually how it works, at least in my experience. And so maybe that's the expectation to be different or built different is it's really easy to give 100% when you know you're going to start, but are you going to give 100% when you know you're going to redshirt and not play this year? And the special players are the ones that give 100% all the time. It's it's completely, completely not correlated to playing time, right? I, I think that's important to to make sure that they understand that's what we're looking for and, and that they don't have to be perfect, but they have to strive to be the best version of themselves.
0: Who, who came up with the built different slogan?
1: Oh, the
2: glow man himself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've been known to have a few stories and a few things, and I, I think you have to be willing to take yourself at face value and not, if you don't see yourself as far as, you know, how the kids see you, or you can't have a laugh or a joke at your own expense, I don't really know what the point is. And so I don't even know how it came up, but we got these t shirts. It was just always something I've been thinking about because everyone's got a slogan. Where yep. They have boards up with all these goals, and, and, that, and they carry sledgehammers and chains and ropes. And I'm like, what are we? Yep. You know, is it, <laughs> is it 1400 and we're storming, you know, the, the walk of the plank of a, I don't know what's going on here, but what are we doing that? Or are we trying to, you know, we're rowing the boat, we're doing this, we're doing that or just, just be different and different almost means being normal. Like let's not be different for the sake of being different, but being built different means that the expectation is old school or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, show up 10 minutes early. That's on time. Is that different? Well, funny enough today that is different, but that's how I was brought up. And there's a lot of things we did that we probably shouldn't do today. Like, you know, not letting guys have a drink of water or you know having 2 day practices that we obviously don't want to do that stuff but i don't know just just i don't think it's that hard and i, I just think that you know i have no idea if we're gonna win any games i'd love to tell you we're gonna win a national title I, that's the hope but that's not something i wake up every morning thinking about i think about how could i be better today than yesterday you know we didn't have a great practice yesterday so the next thing is let's have a great lift today and let's try to have a great practice on thursday i don't think about winning beating mankato in week one like that's not on my mind i don't live and breathe and eat that because what I found is even if you do get the national championship game you still have to go back to work you just had a smaller offseason and I don't know that there's like this goal that once I you know get the golden ring that we just stop coaching I mean I'm still going to coach if we win a national title because I don't coach for the rings I coach for the process
0: yeah yeah as a player I think that you can really tell coaches that care about you and care about getting the team better and then the coaches that just care about winning and there's a really big difference in the performance that those athletes are able able to do well
1: and i, I think you hit the nail on the head you have to be, grow where you're planted you can have the best corn seed in the world and put it in the desert and it ain't gonna grow mm-hmm. you can take an average seed and put it in the best climate ever and you're gonna be shocked at what you get and so sometimes i think we worry more about the seed than we do about the conditions yep. or vice versa and so for us i just want our kids to if they're the best versions of themselves that will be enough and if they don't quite make the best version of themselves, but they're pretty consistent at being really good, there's still going to be enough. We're not asking for perfection. We're just asking for effort, consistent.
0: Looking at the team, who have been some standout leaders so far?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. It's, it's, um, we're in a weird spot right now where I think some of the guys are just still not 100% confident what the expectation is. But I know, like, defensively, I think, like, a Cal Botsford is a guy who's been around, and, and a Brady Crawford, and, um, you know, Michael Stenbrotten, and, you know, K. McWilliams, guys that I say, wow, those guys every day bring the right attitude and the right effort and the right work ethic. Mm-hmm. so maybe that's what I don't know offensively you can speak yeah
2: to offensively I think you know obviously we got a couple of returners returning starters Adam Mullins uh is a guy who shows up and goes to work every single day he's got the same attitude he's competitive um Dylan Rud- Rudin again is another guy that you know he shows up and uh he has a great work ethic um I think he's trying to figure out that that standard and he's trying to approach it every single day and and uh i think he's one of those guys that he can bring people with him if that's the approach he's going to go with um ben peterson's a guy up front uh on the old line that returns some experience but is one of those guys he's not afraid to speak up and has got some great leadership qualities about him you know carter slikehouse is a guy that's he's got to take charge in the wide receiver room and and kind of be a leader out there and then we've got a few tight ends mark leonard uh, Hunter Schneider and Travis Yonke, that, you know, they're not always the most vocal guys, but they, they lead in terms of their actions on the field of what the expectation is. Um, and so, you know, that's a part in the challenge right now where we're at in this spring is we're trying to get and trying to figure out who exactly are those leaders, who are those captains, who are those guys that everybody's going to rally behind, not just the clicks. Um, and I think that's the struggle with any team atmosphere is you got to figure out who, who can lead the guys in the right direction all the time. Mm-hmm. not just some of the time. And so part of it is when you have experience and you're a veteran, you're a little bit more confident in that. And right now we've got we got a lot of really good talent. We just got some guys that maybe haven't had that game experience or enough of it yet to probably feel comfortable in those roles. And so we're really challenging them and really stressing them right now to to come out of your comfort zone and to really be in that role. And, uh, you know, there's nobody that I think has really stood out and just said flat out, hey, we're these people, we're these captains. And I think they'll come with, with more and more time as they're getting more and more comfortable with us and understanding the what the standards are. Um, yeah, they'll definitely evolve
1: and, and, and show up. Sure. You know, the coaches, we need leadership from the coaches, too. I mean, you got to realize not – one guy has ever run this offense or this defense or this special team package and not other than coach Boz and myself who most recently were together for the most part 90% of the coaches have never coached all together at once so it's it's like anything else it's like a good you know a good theater production you have to be able to work off each other or an interview right I mean you have to be able to kind of feed off each other and tell when people need to lead in and lead out and that's leadership as a whole um, and there can only be so many main characters. Some of the people got to be the stand-ins that just eat the ice cream cone in the back as the <laughs> building's blowing up on Superman, right? Yeah. I mean, some people do. And you know what? Some people don't <laughs> want to be. They want to be Superman or they don't want to be anybody. And so the egos and the attitudes and the personalities, and that's kind of where it's fun to be the head coach because you get to always be right. And <laughs> at the end of the day, it's the, my way or the highway. And I, I say that jokingly, but it's, I'm serious. Like, And it's not because I, I know all, all, all things. It's because if you have too many people with too many ideas, you don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of different ways to drive to Omaha, Nebraska from here. A lot of them will work. Some are better than others. But at the end of the day, you have to recognize when you're not making progress in an efficient manner and somebody has to be driving the car. I don't know. I've I've won a lot of games and went right home after the game and I've lost a lot of games and sat in there till midnight and didn't change anything. You know, maybe we should have ate less. Maybe we should have stopped more on the bus. Maybe we should have stretched. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you have good players, you got a better chance to win.
0: Positionally, where are some of your strong points?
1: Gosh, man it changes every day I, you know you'd like to think that i think with the leadership at quarterback with the guy who's played a lot of football and at tight end i think those are strong points i think the o line has some potential to be really good they're just inexperienced at receiver we're really thin to be honest with you we've only got about six healthy bodies right now so that's a little bit of up in the air right now at tailback we've got some quality players there i think we'll be fine there and then defensively you know there was a lot of guys that either graduated or transferred out and all that kind of jazz but i just think as a whole the effort and the attitude and the the want to is there it's just a matter of getting experience and you know quite frankly we've got six practices left uh, five or six left this spring and 25 before the first game. And so I don't know if we'll get there by week one. And I don't know if we'll get there by week three. It's funny, last year when I was at Minnesota State, we lost at Northern in a kind of dramatic fashion. And they went crazy like they won the Super Bowl. And I remember walking off the field, getting on the bus, saying that we have the kind of football team that will still make the playoffs. And that's the kind of team that may not. Because how you handle success and failure is really important. Yeah. And um, I do think that the one thing I'm pretty confident in is that we'll we'll make sure that we handle things Maybe not perfectly, but we'll make sure we address it so that we can handle things the most efficient way possible so we don't get too high or too low because, as you guys know, I mean, seasons can get long. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, the old cliche of it's not where you start, it's where you finish. And I do believe that. And as last year played out, we got stronger as the year went on, even though we weren't strong early on. Sometimes, you know, it takes a while to kind of find your footing. So I don't know, doing it long enough to know that there is no instant oatmeal, you know, as my wife would tell you, it's more of a crock pot than <laughs> a microwave oven. And that's, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, between that and Tell me what players we should recruit. Who's in the portal? She's pretty good at that. She's kind Pretty of good stuff. at that. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, I don't know. That's how we're looking at it, and I I hope that they want us to stick around for a while, or at least me. They fire everybody else. At least they'll hopefully they'll keep me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you really uh, want to? Do you know.
0: really want to hire a new staff again? No, that's true. That's true. No, but <laughs> <laughs> that's you're
1: right. But I mean, I, I just think that if you have a process in place that is built to withstand a lot of different things, you're certainly going to take your hits, but you can't be so emotionally imbalance that one win is is the greatest thing ever and a loss is the end of it
0: for sure so going into the 2023 season playoffs is that the expectation still well,
1: I mean, I don't know what I don't know what the expectation is. I mean, I guess we'll see how we all come together in the, in the fall camp and all that. But my expectation is to put out a product that's really competitive, that understands how to play the game of football, that we hopefully don't beat ourselves with mental errors and poor decision making by the coaches or the head coach making bad timeouts and making bad decisions. And you know that would be my expectation that we coach and play in a way that is um, you know worthy of being successful. Um, you know, the ultimate prize and the ultimate goal is to win a national title. That's the goal, right? And I think this is a program that has been there. They understand how from an administrative standpoint that they want us to be successful and giving us the tools and all those kind of things. So yeah, there's definitely uh I expect to be successful. But then again, if you win the national title, is that make it successful? But if you go ten and two and get beat in the first round, does that mean that you're not? I don't know. I guess it depends on how talented we are and how much we maximize our abilities. I've been around some really good football teams that were six and five. I've mm-hmm. been around some okay teams that went ten and two. You know, so I don't know that wins and losses necessarily measure that. Certainly everybody else sees it that way. But like I said to my wife, she's a speech therapist. I go, How would you feel if you were treating six little kids that stuttered and they put up on the billboard that you failed four out of six times because those four kids still stutter. Would you like that? <laughs> and she's like, no. I go, well, unfortunately, that's the nature of football. They see the scoreboard, and they they dictate whether or not that determines if you were successful or not. But if you talk to somebody like a doctor or somebody else, I mean, you can't save everybody. So, you know, it, there are some times when 100% is all that's expected, and there's some times when maybe 80% is way far exceeding the expectation. So that sounds like a roundabout answer.
0: That's an interesting way to put it, but I appreciate the thought. The speech thought. part? Yeah, like oh, yeah. The, well, well, using the analogy of sports to like life, the medical industry, yeah. like specifically yeah. saying like, well, you're not going to save all your patients. All your patients aren't going to be right. all American. Well, but. and like
1: I say sometimes too, like for school here, right? Everybody wants to be in a big school, big big school atmosphere. And I say, well, how would you like to go to a specialist who had 600 patients, or do you want to go to the specialist that only has 60? Get more individual attention. Well, everyone says, well, I'd want to go to the place that only has 60 patients. The more smaller I get to know your patient versus the doctor that doesn't know who you are, just reads a chart, and makes a decision. And I think that happens sometimes in a bigger school, you know, and yeah, we all want the doctor that's gone to Harvard and has 20 years of experience, but if I got a guy who just went to XYZ medical school but has been doing it for 20 years versus the young guy who's going to do his first open heart on me but he <laughs> went to Harvard and was number one in his class, I'm going with the guy who's done it before, right? Yeah. Not the guy who's was awesome with the cadavers. That's great that that guy didn't care how it turned out, <laughs> right? So that's how I look at it. And I, I hopefully I'm the kind of guy that maybe didn't go to Harvard medical school but has been enough surgeries that kind of knows the tricks of the trade a little bit, and I think that'll... You know, just to keep myself, like, you know, not too serious here, but just to keep it real and say, hey, listen, what are we trying to accomplish here? Yep. And if we do win a national title, guess what? That will not be the greatest thing that ever happens in your life. And if you lose it and drop the ball or miss the kick or give up the goal that costs you the national title, if that's the worst thing that ever happens, God bless you, because you're probably going to have a pretty good life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes we act like that's going to make or break us. But, you know, my kids being born, getting married, those things all rank higher than playing in the national championship game. There's there's a lot more, I'm sure. Well, there are. I mean, I just can't name them off right now, but that was a pretty uh, bummer of a loss. But at the end of the day, that was far from the worst thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. And sports is just an arena where the, the the actual true cost of winning and losing is so minute, it doesn't even matter. It just matters in the time. You know, Coach Bose took out a yardstick one day at practice, and he talked about if your life is from 0 to 100 on that yardstick, and then he took a magic marker and just drew on there the two lines that constitute your playing career. And it was about that far on a quarter it. of an inch a quarter of an inch on it and you start thinking about it in that perspective
0: yeah there's more to life than sports yes and people forget that especially in college yeah
1: and we somehow the guys that get their their airs and their tires pumped up as i like to say based on how they play that's a pretty dicey proposition
2: and i think that's the biggest part of using it's it's using this opportunity as a catalyst for life right so i mean it's Making sure that everything you're doing here, yeah, we're trying to win games. You don't show up and just say, I want to go through the motions. But it's how you go about the process every single day, which builds into the built different mentality. It's it's that attitude. It's just like you're going to experience as a parent down the road just something tragic, you know, whatever it might be. And it's it really we're trying to prepare you for those moments of how do you handle it? How do you handle a pressure moment in the two-minute drill? How do you whatever? Like, really? It's irrelevant in terms of the game. Whether you win or lose, it's... Really going to help you down the road when you get that phone call that your kids in the ER and had a seizure, you know. And then how do you respond? Are you panicked and do you have your own attack or do you take a big deep breath and go, "All right, this is what we got to do," and and handle it. You know, when you try to put it in perspective, and I know I'm getting really gloomy here for Coach. Yeah, I thought you were going to say
1: something about me being the heart surgeon. But it's just, but it's
2: one of those where, (laughs) no, I would not go to you for the heart surgeon. (laughs) But it's one of those. It's like it's just there's a and like I think that's a, a big maybe, you know. part of who we are in terms of as a staff and how we try to create those connections is those are the things that are gonna help you further in life. It's just we end up playing games with results. But ultimately you sit there and go the people that handle those things win a lot of games and eventually those people just by chance usually usually going to be pretty successful as well.
0: Yeah I kind of mentioned that before but I think it's so important how much you guys are pouring into your players off the field because you're not going to do well on the field if you're not okay <laughs> or if you don't know how to handle things the
2: one saying i always had was no matter what's going on in your life you can't be a great football player if you're having poor academics i mean you, you rarely just see that if someone's excelling at the highest level uh in their athletic field and being really really bad and academically um you can't even if you got problems at home girlfriend boyfriend whatever you just you can't be the best version of yourself going back to what coach glow said if you got all these other distractions and so ultimately that's what we're trying to do if you want to be the best football player because that's what's important for you then you got to take care of your daily life um, because eventually you just get drawn thin
0: your spring game is on may 6th what are you guys hoping to accomplish and come out of this game knowing
1: you know what? To be honest with you, the number one thing is to stay healthy. That's we, that's our number one goal is to come out of spring as healthy as possible. So so everything we do in practice, whether it's limiting reps or shortening practice or doing drills modified because we don't have a, a true typical roster, right? There's no freshman yet and all that. So we are low in numbers. So we're not practicing the same rate or pace we would in the fall because we have more bodies, obviously. But um, I think we want to – I don't know that I'm looking at the spring game as a game as more of a glorified practice. You know, we want to certainly do some things where we're doing, you know – 11 on 11 tackling and all that but ultimately the goal is to just keep on progressing because I don't I just see it kind of like going back to that analogy of going to Omaha the spring game is just one of those signs that tells you how many more miles you have to go till you get to your destination and so if we started out 200 miles away well come May 6th we'll be 125 miles out And where are we at there? Stop, let's get some snacks, let's get back in the car, and we'll keep going. But it's more of a a chance to pause and reflect on 15 practices before we take on the uh, 20-plus before the first game. And that's really what I'm looking to see, and I'm excited that we're going to have a bunch of alumni back. I'm excited that we're going to have a bunch of our guys who just recently signed are going to come. So uh, we're not going to do any kind of junior visit day that day. We're just going to basically focus on us and the history and the future. And it's more of a celebration that way of kind of trying to get the older guys that have been here in the past and alums back on campus to where they can kind of see what we're doing and get to know those guys a little bit more. And, and obviously our new players and families, and um, we're going to try to put something together post, uh, post-practice so everybody can kind of mix and mingle. And it's more of a, a social thing than anything else. And obviously if we can stay healthy and, and still get some work done, that'd be ideal.
2: Yeah. And the, it's just a great evaluation tool. I mean, like anything, right? You take your semester and you get your semester test. It's really kind of see how well our guys progress from First day of spring ball, with new systems, uh, both offensively and defensively. Everything just being able to see individually how everybody progressed throughout those fifteen practices, and you know, and more or less why you kind of call it a game or like coach said, a glorified practices to add that pressure kind of moment and just seeing how they handle it and do they go about their business differently or is it? the same person that showed up for the last 14 practices and just did exactly what we asked him to do um so there's some good evaluation aspects to it um this, it's going to be great in terms of just being able to also set the tone of where where we are and where we want to go going forward both offensively and defensively and stating that direction of who we are and i think that's been the biggest thing since i've been here is i've got a lot of questions because of you know just the style of change in terms of what it's been you know what we're going to look like and i think it'll give everybody that's part of the coup fam a realistic look of hey this is who we are and this is what we're going to be and it's not a end result by any means it's more just a here's the step and where we are and where we're going to be um get them excited and so the coup legacy association will be a big part of it it's a bunch of former uh alum football players that started a association that they're going to do um some support for our program and Um, and for our players, and just create some opportunities for them that maybe they weren't getting before. And so it would be a great opportunity to get that tradition around our guys even more and continue to build those connections. And so, you know, Alex Anderson, I think uh, he was the vice president at O'Gorman, is a big part of that. Um, And there's a few other guys that are heavily involved.
0: What are you expecting the competition in the NSIC to look like for the 2023 season?
1: Well, that's a good question. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of changeover. Um, There's several new head coaches in the league and there's some coordinators that have changed. So, you know, I don't know. I expect, you know, the typical teams that have been successful to continue to be strong, and, um, you know, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. This year we do not play Bemidji State. We do not play Northern State, Um, so that that is now continually changed. Most people know that we're going down to Pittsburgh, Kansas, to play a pretty formidable Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh State team. Um, because Upper Iowa is no longer in the league. So I think there's a lot of a lot of newness. Um, there's a couple teams that will only play 10 games instead of 11 based on their schedule and how the bye week fell. So I think there's a lot up in the air that way, and, and I think what you're going to see more and more is a lot more parity, um, maybe some games that people consider upsets, that as coaches we wouldn't suspect those to be upsets because programs are getting better. Uh, with the elimination of Crookston and St. Cloud, there's less Division II programs in the Upper Midwest, and so maybe the players are now me. The talent is being more you know heavily divided if that makes sense versus kind of spread it out mm-hmm. um so i don't know we'll see it'll be interesting but i think you know obviously we're just worried about ourselves right now and then that opener against you know Minnesota State on Thursday night should be kind of exciting just for the obvious reasons but you know, there's a lot of guys that uh, are going to be familiar with the guys on the other sideline and you know it'll be awkward and weird all at the same time so i'm glad it's the first game and we're getting out of the way right away and then uh we Is that got, a home game? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That'll yeah. be fun. It should be fun. And obviously the home openers are always fun. It's usually a great night. It's usually, you know, 6, uh, 6 p.m. kickoff and on a summer night where the weather's still nice and hopefully fans come out and students come out. But uh, yeah. But again, win, lose, or draw, it's not going to make or break our season. But uh, it's certainly exciting to have that to look forward to.
2: Yeah. Uh, the part I would add is, you know, the like coach mentioned Pitt State. I mean, Upper Iowa gets out of the league. I I'm not as familiar as Coach Glow is. I mean, I've I've been an outsider looking in for several years, but, you know, we had an opportunity to kind of search around and figure out who we're going to play. And, you know, he brought it up and it was like, yeah, Pitt state's good. I mean, they're a contender in the playoffs last year and, you know, we probably could have said no and looked for a lesser opponent, however you want to look at it, but we didn't, we want to find out who we are and we want to challenge ourselves. And part of it with great teams is competing against other great teams and knowing, all right, here's where the mark is and this is where we gotta do and addressing that and going. And so uh we look really forward to making that trip down to Pittsburgh and, and being in the jungle because it's gonna be an experience that a lot of our players probably haven't had yet. You know, it's a different environment and all that too. So, you know, we're getting a chance to travel around the league will be new for me, um, and getting to experience it differently, you know, being up in Duluth and I think we got road trips in Mary and Duluth back to back. So oh, that'll be um, fun. <laughs> you know, those are both farther than I've had to travel. Yeah. And my, hopefully the Wi-Fi works. Yeah, my fifteen <laughs> year career. So it's like, you know, back to back trips like that. So um but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think there's I think there's a lot of quality coaches and a lot of quality programs. And so I think it's one of those that every week you're gonna get tested and obviously having coaches on our staff that are familiar with that understand that more how to get our guys ready to go so i'm going to lean heavily on them for that too
1: yeah and shout out to athletic director goal because uh the whole Pitt State thing was kind of uh, a lot of work she did behind the scenes with the athletic director at Pitt State, and I think the idea of bringing two programs that have historically been pretty successful kind of sets the stage on a national level in Division Two, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the idea that you have two teams that are relatively well known in their conferences and in the region coming together for regular season matchup that doesn't happen a lot in Division Two in any sports, let alone football. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a regionally based uh, operation, and, and for the first time with us being allowed to get outside of our silo schedule as they call it. Where you're playing only the teams in your league. This should help us on a national level. And, yeah, we want to challenge ourselves. And I guess we're not afraid of, you know, a lot of people say anytime, anywhere, or whatever, well, get on the bus and drive to Pitt State. Okay, I guess that maybe wasn't my first choice, but um, it'll be it'll be an awesome experience. And like Coach mentioned, they have a place they call it The Jungle, and it's their homecoming, and should be a great crowd and a great atmosphere. And I, I don't know. I don't know why you play if you don't enjoy these type of environments, you know, and mm-hmm. people talk about that all the time at the bigger schools. You come to a school for a game like this. You know, nobody wants to go to a school and play something to beat them by 80 just to pad their stats. At least I would hope not. So, um, you know, we want to take on, uh, you know, an, an opportunity to take on a team that's really formidable and a playoff-type team, and, yeah, we'll see where we're at.
0: Sure, sure. And so so we don't have to play,
1: so it's cool for me. Yeah, we <laughs> so don't have to go out there.
0: So looking at your incoming class, freshman, heavy, not a ton of transfers, um, how many do you have coming in? What was that process like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a hurry-up-and-go type of thing. Um, matter of fact, we had uh, – <laughs> literally coaches showing up the day that we had recruiting events and so that was interesting and you know you're not really selling uh, specifics you're selling a vision and I think our coaches did a great job and securing some really talented and gifted athletes and i think you know in the future those guys should be the foundation Um, i feel like we've got some really quality kids that had some really good opportunities i know there's been a lot of talk about some guys that flipped commitments and all that kind of stuff and i don't think it was anything magical for the most part a lot of those guys we had prior relationships with and you know taking over a new job is kind of like um, being a mechanic and you know changing somebody's oil and their tires in sioux falls isn't a whole lot different than doing it in omaha just a different garage and the tools are in a different place but the actual action of changing tires and working on a car is no different. And so for us as coaches, it was just kind of figuring out where the wrenches are. And uh, the the idea of doing the work wasn't anything foreign to any of us. So uh, I thought the coaches did a great job. Obviously, we had a lot of new faces and we sold the vision. And I think we had a great product to sell and, and give a lot of credit to the previous coaches that were here from Bob Young, you know, all the way to John Anderson and, you know, Jed Stugard in between and, and all that stuff. There was a lot of history, Kalen DeBoer. Those guys created a product that was very successful and easy to sell. There hasn't been a losing record here in 28 seasons. Well, that speaks for itself. That had nothing to do with me. We are to some degree standing on the shoulders of those guys that came before us. And when you're selling that vision, that product, and you're sitting in the press box looking down on the on the on the stadium, that obviously football and soccer plays there. It's a pretty unique vision. In mm-hmm. view, and it's pretty impressive, and I think um, that helps. So that had nothing to do with me or Coach Luters, but you know, hopefully, we played a small part in securing those guys' commitment. And we'll be over thirty plus freshmen walking in the door. And
0: wow, that's, um, is that a lot, or is that pretty standard? I think that's it's a little bit it's larger. A little class. bit larger. I think yeah.
1: typically, you know, you're going to have 105 guys on the team, roughly. So if you just do the math, that's what's well, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 kids per class. And of course, not every freshman makes it to senior year. But we did have a handful of transfers. Uh, three of them from Minnesota State, like you mentioned. We had one from a junior college, and then. We had one from Colorado State University, Pueblo, Colorado, a Division II school. So but other than that, um, we're certainly working on some some talent to try to bring in and support the roster. But that remains to be seen how many there will be for that. But, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a really good first class considering that, you know, when I got here, December 9th was the press conference, I think I got hired. And then it was Christmas break and students were off campus. And we didn't even meet the team until mid-January after j term throw j into that. And it really put things back because we could not, mm-hmm. for compliance reasons, we could not uh, do much with the kids in January other than just lifted. So, um, you know, you think about it, February. So yeah. from December 9th until February was really the first time we got to work with them as, as far as just not knowing the unknown. Wow. So, you know, you talk about recruiting transfers and all that. We didn't even know what we had. Um, And not so much good or bad players, but what kind of players would fit in the scheme and what you needed to address. So, you know, all things being equal, I I expect yesterday and yesterday, next year to be better. and, And last year's class will be the foundation moving forward. And the good thing is those guys committed to a program that was the coaches were here. There were a couple guys that had committed to the previous staff that we still honored their commitments, and they'll be joining us. A handful of those guys. So um, I just think you're not recruiting to a coach; you're recruiting to a school and a program and a city and all that stuff. And that stuff didn't change.
2: Yeah, I think we got the. I think we got some really good, talented players, but I think more importantly, we got the right fit that was a huge part and I think that's like you know what you talked about some guys flipping commitments that's what it was it was they were finding the right fit in terms of the relationships that they had it probably just wasn't the fit before and so why do you flip your commitment well you felt like that relationship was really important and also that the other external circumstances what what made it work and so you know we're excited about it we got some really good receivers coming in we got a couple linebackers coming in that i think can make an impact and and, uh, and some guys across the board that I think everybody will kind of get a, their chance, you know, to show what they can do during fall camp and build going forward. So, you know, it's unique. There's that three-game rule now in terms of redshirting. And so, you know, we'll f- figure out the ways that we're going to use it and use it to our, you know, our advantage to make sure we have the best team on the field. But, you know, our, you kind of change your mentality a little bit of how you look at it in terms of, you know, guys coming in with that mentality of, hey, I'm going to redshirt right away and this is what I'm going to do, where – Now you got to start approaching the summer as I'm preparing to play. The opportunity to redshirt might come after fall camp.
0: Yeah, yeah. To clarify that for people listening who might not know, there's a new NCAA Division II rule that redshirt freshmen are allowed to play in any three games. Are you guys anticipating playing freshmen?
2: I think so. I mean, specifically on offense, I think there's some guys that they have the potential to. But you know, it's it's the thing I always tell guys when I'm recruiting them too is you know it's a it's a transition. I mean, it's a big transition in a young man's life of. You're 18 years old. You're you're going into a new city or a new location, school, everything, uh, moving away from your family for the first time. I mean, there's some guys probably don't even know how to do their laundry, um, <laughs> let alone cook or take care of themselves. Really, some coaches but, that
1: can't even do it. Yeah, that's true too.
2: <laughs> but it's it's one of those where you'll find you'll figure it out in fall camp. I mean, it's it's a. It's a new language. It's a new system. It's everything. So um, even for our players, the spring you kind of see in it. It's just it's like learn, learning a foreign language at times for them. It's not that they don't know it in terms of football's football. There's a process to it, and some handle it better than others, and that'll help us determine on who can maybe help us. And that also I think that's the great thing about the rules. It might allow us to work with a guy a little bit longer through the season and let them play in those three games. Or if you know injuries happen late in the year that we're not burning a kid's redshirt because somebody got hurt more thin, which happened to you last year. It's happened to me in the past. Uh, you know, you throw a guy in to fill in for a spot and the next thing you know, it there goes his year of eligibility and you played a total of 10 snaps in two games, three games, whatever it might be, or a game. And so I, I, that's the part I'm excited about. I, I think there's some guys that are coming in with the right approach and the mentality and that you can tell the questions they're asking, how eager they are about getting up here and, Uh, just being a part of things and trying to learn as fast as they can. But, you know, we're hoping that we got the right guys here that have been through the system all all spring. And, you know, we'll bring in a few guys that we think are where we absolutely need help, that maybe they can fill that role so we can redshirt this class because, like Coach said, they're the foundation, and we want these guys. I mean, in four years, you know, hopefully we're winning championships and building on top of that where these guys can say, hey, they were part of the first Mm -hmm. um, and and continue to roll with that. So,
0: Thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, Thanks Thanks for having us. Renewals for current football season ticket holders are due on June 14th. On June 15th, season tickets will be available to the public for football and men's and women's basketball. To find this information, visit usfcougars.com and click on the Tickets tab. Lastly, don't forget that football has their spring game on May 6th. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Cougar Sports Show recorded at the University of Sioux Falls Media Center. You can listen to our show anytime on Spotify with new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host, Abby Whittington, and thanks again for tuning in.